Welcome to All Things Photonics, a podcast about the physical science of light driving scientific innovation in the 21st century. I'm Joel Williams, Associate Editor at Photonics Media. Join us as we explore the latest trends in optics, lasers, microscopy, and spectroscopy. Each episode, you'll hear from leading voices from across the photonics landscape, brought to you by Photonics Media. 2022 was an eventful year for Dot Photon. The Zug Switzerland-based company, known for its raw image compression solution, competed at Vision Startup World during Vision Stuttgart and was named a finalist for a Prism Award in the software category for its JetRaw solution. Dot Photon also inked a partnership with Hamamatsu Photonics to pair JetRaw image data compression with Hamamatsu's scientific imaging technology. JetRaw combines file size reduction ratio with high processing speed, and the partnership builds on a separate deal that Dot Photon struck in late 2021 with Teledyne Photometrics. Bruno Sanguinetti, Dot Photon's co founder and head of RD, is the mind behind much of this powerful technology, and he joined us from Switzerland to discuss Dot Photon and its place in the photonics and machine vision landscapes. In our interview, Sanguinetti explores the confluence of sophisticated technologies that power Dot Photon's image compression capabilities. The first thing to understand is that for all their utility, standard images, or raw images, are actually somewhat of a dormant resource. That's where Dot Photon comes in. When raw imagery is too large to transfer and store, and takes too long to process, valuable information remains out of the hands of users who need it most. As Dot Photon says, the company's technology unveils the power of raw images and boosts big image data for critical and professional applications. With a life sciences background of his own, Sanguinetti says these applications include microscopy and endoscopy, but they also extend into aerospace and defense, space imaging, and agriculture. There's also vast possibility in machine vision, and that's where our conversation begins. The reality here is that the distinct technologies that combine to constitute machine vision are progressing at different rates. That puts a company like Dot Photon in the sights of many whose ambitions lie in the ability to leverage the best and newest advances in compute, software, and AI, as well as in imaging, scanning, and sensing. Perhaps it's no surprise that Dot Photon was busy in 2022. As we conclude our own year of all things photonics, here again is Jake Saltzman. So machine vision in some ways brings together multiple distinct technologies. It's very much its own animal, but the rate at which these distinct technologies advance image capture technology versus the rate at which image processing advances um, versus the rate at which AI and deep learning advance, um, they're not always in alignment. They develop at different clips. And you're someone who's versed in all three of those very relevant areas. To begin, can you classify the present state of machine vision industry, given that we have all these converging areas? Many technologies have evolved very well in the past. So it's, uh, maybe in the last 10 years, sensors have become better and better, first of all. So the latest sensors are effectively perfect. So you, you measure every single photon, you have very close to zero noise. Um, so that has come a really long way. On the other hand, in the processing with Moore's law coming towards an end, uh, but not yet, actually, uh, the development of processing power, especially with GPUs, has uh, evolved very significantly in, in the latest years. There are still things to do. And as well, on the networking and storage side, 
things have evolved, but at a much slower pace. So had they had storage, for example, grown at the same rate as it has since the 70s, um, then we would be paying one cent per terabyte or, or 10 cents per terabyte of, of storage and about maybe a couple of dollars per terabyte of RAM. So that hasn't materialized just yet. There are still, there is still some work being done in those uh, perspectives, but that's also one of the reasons why we went for compression first. But it doesn't mean that the other aspects uh, aren't of interest for us. They are, they are. As well, one very important uh, new development, which is doesn't relate necessarily directly to machine vision, but we do see a big shift to the cloud. So whereas before, if you wanted to have access to vast amounts of computer power, you really needed to have some in-house experts to set all of that up. Um, what you can do now is you can rent it in the cloud. And so this opens up some possibilities and it, um, it also allows more companies, especially startups, to participate in and to deliver products which are actually quite complex um, in the medical field, in automotive, uh, in other like more industrial machine vision. And so this is accelerating machine vision from our perspective very, very much. So, and the, the, the cost of the cameras has gone down a lot, very significantly. You can get some kind of cameras for $99, which you can work with. So there has a lot of, been a lot of development. Um, another, on the other hand, it's still, there's still a lot of work to do. So what I like to say is that whereas machine vision is a technical subject, but it still doesn't have the technical engineering methods that are applied in, in, in other disciplines for, exa disciplines. for example, if you go to the supermarket and buy a kilogram of potatoes, actually the way that that kilogram is defined is standardized and you buy it in one supermarket and you get exactly the same in the other supermarket and that's completely well defined. If you plug your computer in a 110 volt or in a 220 volt outlet, the voltage is very well defined and you know that it will work. On the other hand, if you take an image from a camera, it's still a picture. You don't necessarily have the very tight specification that you would require to know that that is going to be compatible with your algorithm. So the current state now and where I do see a lot of work uh, going on is in standardizing what on the metrological point of view, what is that uh, image to make it not into a, to change it from just being a picture um, to being a proper measurement. Um, you, you mentioned we, you mentioned us. Uh, in this case, that's dot photon. And I do want to jump into the dot photon technology. For someone who's unfamiliar, it's a somewhat daunting technology to look at, right? It, it incorporates usable information that pertains to, to so many areas of, of not just vision, but photonics, right? We're considering quantum properties of light. It can be deployed for microscopy imaging. The data it considers is traceable metrologically. To describe the technology, it's sort of really to bounce around the field of photonics. If you could, for our listeners, can you just sort of outline in the broadest scope possible the dot photon solution? So you're, you're completely right that uh, our uh, Technology looks at, at the kind of holistic view of, of what an image is. And the advantage is to have the traceability of how that image was captured and to carry that uh, traceability through your processing pipeline. And often the first step in your processing pipeline can be compression. And it turns out that if you know exactly 
how the image was acquired, you can do that compression in a much better way. And not only that, but you can embed some extra information in the image, which will be very, very useful later on. So you can, you can kind of standardize it. Historically, we do come from a company that used to make some quantum uh, sensors, a company still exists, it's called uh, ID Quantique, and me and, 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 and another colleague uh, come from there. A very high-end sensors, so really single photon detectors. And at some point, we saw that sensors are becoming perfect. So, so, so the market in that side is becoming very uh, competitive on the sensor side. And so, but we had an understanding also coming from uh, cryptography, from information theory of how light carries information and also how detectors work. And we thought, well, let's put those two things together to, as well with some of the knowledge that we had acquired at the university, to build some software that we think will be the most useful in the coming years. And that uh, vision kind of realized, we see that at the time, uh, machine learning was not as big as it is now. So we started four years ago. And we, we had this vision that, that the whole of image processing had been developed over many decades, specifically for the human eye, and that still many algorithms had been developed for the human eye, and, and, and they're still in use today for machines. And making those algorithms work specifically well for machine vision could have some advantages. And also the other aspect is that in large companies, you often have many, many departments. So a department is responsible for the sensor, another department is responsible for the data storage, another department is responsible for the analysis. And you lose over that whole chain, you do lose some of the information that was available in the beginning. So our vision was, well, if we if we make that information available in the file, then we make it easily accessible down the pipeline, then the person who's doing the machine learning at the end of the pipeline, he can take full advantage of the knowledge of people coming before, and he can make really the most of it. And that is something which was possible for a small company, because we were just not many people, so we talk to each other every day. Dot Photon is very much filling needs in the sectors that deploy its technology. In diagnostics and medical imaging, which are the fields around which the company has finalized two of its most high-profile partnership agreements, the need to optimize the quality and amount of information that a user is able to obtain from an image stems from the fact that the sheer amount of data that is available is growing steadily every year, and that's just in diagnostics. This naturally places a heightened focus on automation and AI, and specifically the role it can play in ultra-quick data processing. Still, as it relates to the data acquisition process, even highly advanced algorithms can have a tough time working with image data in multiple formats, for example, after it has been compressed or processed. With a primary focus on efficiency and avoiding duplication, DotPhoton stresses the importance of practical interfaces. I think the range of partnerships and the nature of the partnerships that DotPhoton has formed speak to the durability of the JetRoss solution and the company's technology as a whole. I want to talk about biomedical um, and biomedical imaging here for just a moment. You know, many of our listeners are likely familiar with the topics of AI for surgical robotics or pharma inspection, machine safety, fairly well-documented applications. But each of these topics sort of veers into what we might consider health or wellness. And that's certainly been a, a major sticking point for your work to date. The combination of machine 
vision or machine learning and health is kind of dynamic. So can you explain for our listeners some of the work that's being done in this area, machine health? Yes. So now cameras are uh, being inserted into microscopes and diagnostic systems more and more. And the data in that field is growing very, very much. Typically, we see with our customers that it grows at a rate of 50% every year. And in, in a few years, it's going to be ex- in the exabyte scale for everyone. So what they're, they're doing some very, very interesting work, especially in, um, in diagnostics. So whereas if, if you have some illness, typically before you have a, an operation, you need to have a diagnosis, which is based on some evidence, which is a tissue sample. And that process uh, does require some time if it's humans analyzing it. And there's a lot of work that's being done in order to automate that. And so you, you acquire the sample instead of looking at, uh, looking at it through with your own eyes through the microscope, which actually is still very, very common. You would acquire it with your microscope and then you would analyze it automatically and you would highlight the areas which the machine learning system think are most important. And then the, the, the doctor would like check that the, the diagnosis is correct. But automation in that respect is very important in order to have the diagnosis, the diagnosis quickly. Um, so, so that's what area that we're working on. Uh, in particular, where is that now is that there are algorithms that work really well. On the other hand, they, they depend very much on the acquisition chain, meaning that if you have a specific uh, hospital that has a specific way of collecting the data, of acquiring that data, of compressing it, of processing it and putting it into machine learning, the machine learning is going to work reliably in that context. However, if you then want to reuse that same concept in another hospital, then it will probably not work quite so well. Um, And so unless you retake the whole chain. So what we're working on is on making, on putting some very well-defined interfaces saying, well, at this point, for you need an image which has exactly these properties for that machine learning to work reliably. And that is still very undefined. So that's where a lot of the work that uh, the community is doing is is aimed at. And and, and, and yeah, we, we try to contribute our part there. You're just staying in the biomedical space for, for a moment. Well, biomedicine moves fairly quickly as a, as a technological industry. What message do you have for the instrument developers, the microscope developers about this technology? Because in some ways you're on the same page about what you, what you want. In other mm-hmm. ways, what you're doing is fairly new and your solution is not just tailored for biomedicine, it's industry agnostic. What message do you have tailored just for the instrument developers in biomedicine? So what we see is that Often, the, the way the images are developed uh, in biomedicine are to look good to the end user, to their eyes. And that, of course, is it's great. Uh, they, at the end of the day, they are responsible for the diagnostic, so they need to have images that look good for, to them. Um, but they, they do apply, they do fix a lot of the processing in that image. Um, so, and they do use compression, which is, which is quite uh, lossy. So, the message is with, at least with our technology, we managed to have way higher compression ratios than uh, what is achieved even with, say, JPEG. And 
what we also have is a full quality and the ability, so the images are still raw, so you can develop it for the screen of the doctor, the pathologist, and you can also develop the same image in optimizing it for a machine vision system. So the message is that you can now do many things with no compromise, whereas before you had to compromise speed of the system with respect to image quality or uh, how it looks to the uh, uh, to the end user with respect to how good it is for machine learning. So now you don't have to do that compromise anymore. I referenced the, the partnerships a moment ago. The two principal ones that I want to get into are uh, the partnership with Hamamatsu, which was struck uh, in both of these were actually struck in the last 12 months. Hamamatsu and Teledyne Photometrics is about a year old um, at this point. So it's been a very impactful year for Dot Photon. Prism Award finalist, Vision Startup, World Competition Spot. How has the company managed to move from startup, which is something else you referenced a little bit earlier, uh, to a company that's now sharing its message in a broad swath of, of different application areas? It's actually, we, we see the pull from, from users. The way it works typically is that the end users say, well, I bought this great new camera, but I can't use it to its full potential because just, the images look amazing, but they're just too many of them and they're too large. So I, I need to compress them. So typically they then go to their camera manufacturer and they say, well, actually, do you have a solution to this? And at that point, the, the camera manufacturers come to us and uh, often we know them on, on the personal level because we maybe go to a, a same conferences and they ask, well, could we have an integration to guarantee that our systems work well together? And we, we, we have worked on that. So typically what that means is that, well, we, we know we, they send us their cameras to, so there's still some physics in our, uh, system. So they send us their cameras so that we can calibrate them in the lab. We verify that what uh, happens in our lab is uh, reproducible in, in their lab so that we are aligned on the definitions and on, on the methodology. And then the um, we exchange data in order to make the uh, calibrations possible uh, for the end user. So like they get the, the camera calibration and they get it in, it gets embedded by our software. Uh, in the compressed files, and then they can reuse it for other application, not just for the compression. I, I think I, I may have mentioned this too, the JetRoss solution, which is uh, in many ways the bread and butter of what Dot Photon is working on. Just to take a step back, you describe that for our listeners. Yes. So the JetRoss solution is, so it's it's a compression for raw data. It, uh, it has a upside that it achieves a compression ratio between four and eight. So in biology, you typically get uh, eight times compression ratio. In aerospace, we because images are very detailed, um, we get a 4x compression ratio, and it's exclusively for raw images. So uh, it relies on a model, a mathematical model of the physical camera. So we need to get that model from the manufacturers, and then applying that model to our so, so our software uses that model in order to achieve this higher compression ratio. Uh, it's also very fast. It has a FPGA and software implementation. So typically you can keep up with the speeds of the fastest cameras. And that's also, uh, that's also a, a, a particularity. Um, it's very difficult to get software that is fast in both compression and decompression and in hardware and software. 
uh, and also that has a good compression ratio and good quality. So what we strive to achieve is good performance in all of these aspects. In, in, from the end user, we try to make it really transparent. So the end user doesn't often know that anything is happening, apart from the fact that when he's sending images through the network, they are faster, especially to, for cloud application. The compression is made completely transparent. So you get a, a raw file, which is a standard raw file in in the format that you saved it in. And then when you send it through the network, we have a, a network proxy which can uh, compress that and which can on the fly, where, as you send it to the cloud and uh, save it in a compressed format in the cloud. And then when you go to look at it, you, the, you, you it downloads the uh, compressed file and then the proxy would, which, so the proxy is a software that can be installed either on a real physical server on a virtual machine, also on the local desktop or, or, or laptop. It will uh, transparently kind of at the file system level, uh, decompress the image so that you don't actually see any difference. Uh, apart from the fact, uh, apart from the speed, like uh, uh, we can open some files on the cloud faster than you would on your local PC very often. I mean, in Switzerland, we're lucky we've got gigabit connection to the cloud, but it is quite impressive working with cloud files as fast as you would uh, locally. Key to the JetRaw solution and the core of DotPhotons technology is the ability to combine distinct image types, for instance, lossy and lossless. The process of lossy image compression removes some amount of the data from the image file, which reduces the file size overall. A lossless compression avoids a degradation in image quality, removing non-essential data only. As it turns out, merging the two compression types opens doors to a world of useful tricks and applications. It's something that DotPhoton does well, and something that has helped the company to penetrate non-medical markets, including aerospace and manufacturing, where data also runs abundant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my, my understanding is that when it comes to image compression, the ability to combine a lossy format, which is very flexible, and a lossless format, which is kind of very reliable to use, that opens a, a lot of different possibilities once you have that accomplished. What are some of the applications out, outside of the life sciences now that the company is looking at? Outside of, of life sciences, so we work with aerospace. So the director of our board used to be uh, a director of the European Space Agency. So uh, we have um, we have a natural tie with aerospace um, and, of course, satellites. Often, the their ability to image is constrained by the download bandwidth. So that's a natural fit for us. We currently work with European Space Agency mainly, but if uh, uh, we expect that to 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 grow soon, there's just a lot of certification and a lot of bureaucracy probably in getting uh, in getting systems ready uh, to fly on satellites. The other interesting part is as well in automotive. So there's lots of data which is being generated by autonomous vehicles, whether they are uh, cars or uh, UAVs. Uh, and so we see a lot of gro growth in that area as well. But it is like we have customers on all sorts, like we have a partnership with a, with a local company who works in vertical farming. So they have a, a plant happiness uh, index that is also a machine vision thing. And, and, and so there they have a cloud system. And, and, and so, so, so that's another application. Also in, there's, in Switzerland, there's quite a bit of manufacturing. 
So you want to maybe do the analysis instead of locally. You want to do your analysis of uh, manufacturing quality of the components on the cloud with some machine learning systems and to transfer your images from the customer's devices all the way to do the analysis in the cloud. That's where we see some, some pull as well. I don't mean to, to put a label here on what you and the company are doing. Image compression is at the core of it. I think that that's probably fair to say. You've talked and you've presented many times on coming face-to-face with this data beast, right? There's so much data and our ability to, to handle and use it in a constructive way is improving, but it's just, it is somewhat daunting to use that word again. Do you have a sense of what technologies or industries or application areas might be featured in this next wave of data management innovation? So we see, uh, I mean, maybe because of the people who contact us. So we see growth in data everywhere, especially in image data because it's so big, um, because it's, it grows across so many different dimensions. So like you, you, you get, suddenly you can get spectrally resolved data. Now in biology, uh, it used to be that you had uh, always a flat 2D image, which was uh, a, a piece of dead tissue. And now uh, life scientists say, well, it's called life science. You need to have live tissue. So that means it's videos and it's videos which are 3D and sometimes spectrally resolved. So so you, you you do see a lot of growth there. You see, yeah, we see growth everywhere. I think for us, uh, the problem is really the opposite is focusing on just a few uh, sectors where we can make the workflow as easy as possible. Uh, but the when you call the when you, when you mention the data beast, it's true that it is a beast. Like we, once you have billions of files, it's very difficult. Just listing the files takes hours. Um, just moving the file, organizing the files, know, knowing who generated which files, how they were, what format they're in, and so on. It's, it is very challenging. And so from so it started. So we started with just compression, but we see that. The taming this beast is something which goes beyond that is it goes in like, how do you organize the data? Well, how do you make sure that it's fast to transfer? How do you make sure that uh, you only transfer it when needed? How do you make sure that you've got all the right metadata? Um, and so you, we are very much working in that direction because the, the compression technology in a way it's, it works. It's, uh, it's went through a lot of certification. So is now kind of very stable. And so we do have, but we do have a fairly large engineering team. So we do keep ourselves busy. And the other aspect that we see as very useful is, uh, and, and there's a lot of innovation in, in recent months, even is the generation of synthetic data. Because until now it was difficult and costly to do machine learning, especially because if you wanted to label data, you had to do it by hand. Whereas if you can now generate synthetic data, you don't need to do hand labeling anymore. You can, uh, for example, in, in a demonstration we have done in aerospaces to, to, to find cars from satellite images, on a, from images from a fairly small satellite. And if you can't label the cars by eye because you can't see them by eye. But so we, we, we started off with some drone images where you could even automatically label the cars and then through an end-to-end model, we generated some images which emulate exactly how they would be had they been taken by a satellite. And there you couldn't see the cars, but the machine learning, because we still had label for the cars, and the machine learning could learn with a fairly good 
accuracy to identify those clouds. And so the results you can have quite impressive. And uh, so the, I think we are with machine learning, we're at the stage where in some cases you can get performance which is bigger uh, than what you can do with your own eyes, with, with human eyes. And so this is where I think in the next few years, there will be some uh, probably revolution in that aspect is what can you do with machine learning that you can't do by hand, I mean, with your own eyes. That concludes this week's episode of All Things Photonics. Thank you to our engineer, Alan Shepard, and to our news editor, Jake Saltzman, as well as to this week's sponsors. Our featured music is courtesy of betterwithmusic.com. Most of all, thank you, our listeners. As always, you can share your thoughts, pitch us ideas, and let us know how we're doing. You can reach us at allthings@photonics.com. All Things Photonics is available on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website, photonics.com.